Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I'm Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, how are we doing? Metcalf, we're doing fantastic. Um, we're gonna be on. We're gonna be on special alert today, folks, because I don't know, you know, what I'm gonna say. We've been working on a lot of projects at No Ceilings this week. To say that I haven't slept well would be an understatement. The coffee intake has been at an all-time high this week. People are worried. My fiance's worried. My dog's worried. Metcalf's worried. But the show must go on, in the words of Queen, and I'm feeling ready to rock, Mr. Metcalf. How are we doing? Are you in the same atmosphere as me? Has it just been a long week, or or what's going on? It's been a long month, but it's only going to get longer. (laughs) (laughs) No, but it's good. It's good because, you know, I I would much rather be too busy than not have enough to do, and... uh, you know, it's kind of hard to complain when we get to do stuff like this. We, we just get to talk hoops and NBA draft for an hour. I mean, what what else can we ask for? I'm getting to the point every Thursday where I'm literally like, all right, I'm done with my job. Like, I'm kicking stuff around the place. I'm like, let's go. I want to talk hoops with Metcalf. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. We got another good one. I feel like, I feel like you're going to be pumped up for this one. Um I'm excited to talk about a couple of prospects on the slate, but yeah, hit the folks with what's going on. What's on tap. Yeah. So before we get into the episode, um, you know, just a a little housekeeping news, you and I have kind of hinted at it the last couple of weeks. Um, But very soon listeners will start hearing ads on this podcast every day uh, because we have partnered with the blue wire podcast network. And we're really excited about this opportunity. There's just a great set of people over there that we're partnering with. And this opportunity for us really wouldn't be possible without all of you who have listened and supported us um, so quickly and so fervently. And it means the absolute world to us. And the fact that we're being able to partner with blue wire just means we're going to be able to keep bringing you guys really creative and really different content and do more of it in both video audio written all of those mediums we're going to be able to keep doing this at a higher more consistent level um because all of you so thank you very much to all of you all of you listeners uh we adore you um if you're new welcome stick around for a while we like to have fun here um for those of you who have been around since day one you're the best we love you um just really exciting stuff and you know just very excited for what this means for all of us um in the draft community going forward it's uh it's it's a remarkable first step for us um something that we've all been working really really hard on behind the scenes i know metcalf and myself have been just you know praying to the the basketball gods like okay come on this first step let's go let's go and and Thank you to the Blue Wire folks. We we talked to them and everyone that's been a part of this whole process. We're so pumped. Like it, just talking to them, we're we're excited. I know everyone's smiling. Um, Alex, the legendary, has been helping us too. Um, you know, everyone's been working behind the scenes. We're 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 taking this serious. We're we're pushing forward. This isn't going to be some blog thing that we're trying to get out of. This is for the long haul. So. Big first step. Thank you to Blue Wire. Thank you to Metcalf. Thank you to Corey. Everyone at No Ceilings who's been, you know, 
battling behind the scenes, you know, just cause we're not throwing stuff on social media. doesn't mean we're not working. So I'm really, really pumped. And like Metcalf said, it, it's all because of you guys that are, have been supporting us since the beginning and everyone that's here, that's new, you know, welcome, welcome to the army. You're, we're not going anywhere. We're only going up. We're only getting stronger. So really pumped about it. And thank, thanks for everyone again. Okay, enough of that. That's too savvy. Yeah, too, it's, too it's savvy. time. To, it's time to talk hoops. Yeah. Uh, so you know, we're just going to talk about a couple guys, um, as you can see in the title, obviously, who have really been heating up recently and are really jumping up uh, draft boards because of their play. Um, and I think the first one that we kind of need to talk about. We talked about him a little bit last week when we did our peer review mock draft, and we both weirdly had him going to the Thunder um, in our mock draft at no ceilings that we did as a group. He spoiler alert. He's also going to the thunder. Make sure to go check that out um, over at no ceilings on BA.com. It's hundred percent free, uh, but bearing the lead uh, that guy's Taylor Hendricks, six, nine forward from UCF Rucker. You've been kind of sending me some things behind the scenes that you're getting like scary high on him. Yeah. It's a little, um, I'm even like shocked. I, I just keep looking at numbers. I keep watching film and it's just one of those. I feel like this happens in every cycle where you, you get more of a slate of film size, like just, just more stuff to watch. And, and I'm a sucker for those guys that just keep showing up, just keep consistently producing. And I'm not saying you need to be putting up 25 a game, but if you just keep showing up in different areas and you know, you have a, Tough night shooting, but you hit the boards. You made plays on defense. Hendricks just keeps impressing me. And, and every time I've watched him, like, I just can't get enough. And there's, there's, this is a weird class. And, and what I mean by that, there's a lot of really fun talent. I'm really excited about this class, but me and you have talked about this for a long time, Metcalf. It's like, we're kind of waiting for that, that one more guy to start cementing himself as kind of like a legit potential lottery pick. And I think Hendricks is just, He's moving up. He keeps moving up and people are watching him and, you know, six, nine with good size. He makes plays on both sides of the floor. You could say he's got two way versatility and he can shoot it. Um, it, it I just am intrigued. And, and that's where we're getting to this range where, I mean, even on my board, I'm looking at Hendricks. I moved him up to 16 on my personal big board and I'm looking up and I'm like, he could keep going up. Like, well, there, this isn't out of the question. Some team's going to fall in love with this. So, um, yeah, I'm just a big fan. What, what about you? Yeah. So, I early in the season, he was, it kind of seemed like he was one of the darlings of draft Twitter. Um, and for good reason, because he was shooting the shit out of the ball. He's 6'9, blocking a ton of shots. He has a block rate of six, which is wild. Um, and early in the season, I just was inherently a little skeptical because, you know, heaven heaven forbid social media unnecessarily blows someone up um so you know I, I took it with a grain of salt i was like okay he's freshman off to a hot start let's see how this looks three months from now we're three months later maybe four now um and it's all held up if not improved and he's taken steps at improvement across the board while still producing at a really high level so it's at this point it's like how do you not buy into what he's doing at that size, that athleticism, that shooting ability, that rim protection, everything that he does, he's done all season long. So just looking at some of his 
uh, percentile rankings on Synergy. Oh, yeah. Hit me with this. Hit me with this, Metcalf. I'm excited (laughs) to hear this. He's in the 82nd percentile in spot-up shooting, 95th percentile in transition, 82nd in post-up. The isolation stuff isn't as good, but we'll get to that in a second. Mm -hmm. Uh, 73rd percentile in all field goal attempts, 76th percentile in all jumpers, 74th off the catch, um, 97th with runners. He just score, he's just super efficient at scoring. And in that off-ball role where that's something where that can translate really quickly for a lot of these guys because they're not being asked to do too much. They're not being asked to really dissect defenses or break break down NBA veterans off the dribble um, because he can't do that stuff right now. But what he can do is shoot the shit out of the ball at 6'9 and protect the rim at the other end while – continuously showing some defensive versatility. So it's just one of these, you know, I, I hate to throw the cliche three and D label on him, but he kind of, he's kind of fitting into that archetype of one of these guys who can kind of fit into a role at such a young age really quickly. He's, he's a, he's a fascinating prospect because it, the more I watch of him, it's almost like it's vanilla. Like him on offense is like, he, he doesn't have all this fanciness where he just will take what you give him. Like he, and he, he's like, okay, wide open catch and shoot three. I'll take that. Um, you throw him the ball in the post. He'll just turn around and shoot a little jumper. Like it. And then he also has times where he he'll go and throw down some, some anger around the basket. And I love that. But um, I just feel like this is the guy that a lot of teams might look at Taylor Hendricks and be like, this is the missing piece. We're rebuilding. We're right there. We're close. This might be the missing guy that just really makes everything gel together. I, I'm, I mean, yeah, spoiler alert for everyone that listening to this, if you haven't gone to noceilingsnba.com, you're missing our updated mock draft tomorrow, and we have him going to the Thunder. I still absolutely love that fit. I think yeah. that's fantastic. I mean, we had our war room, and I, I think – we were hammering me and Metcalf were like the thunder and people were like, yeah, we love that fit. And me and Metcalf smirked and like, yeah, if you guys listen to the podcast, you would have understood this. But like, I'm looking at Tankathon right now, Metcalf and like that range, you could sell me on a lot of teams taking him and, and like mm-hmm. golden state. I could see golden state doing it. Um, Utah, like he just seems like a guy that every team's in front office is going to be very intrigued with. So I don't know. I just, the more I watch, the more I'm very, very impressed with. And I, I know there's a lot of Gigi Jackson truthers out there. I think Taylor Hendricks is creeping that area, you know, and, and Gigi's offensive upside scary, but Taylor mm-hmm. is efficient and there looks like there's a lot of stuff waiting to be unlocked. And I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm not there yet. Can we please ask me that question in April? Okay, so what what are some of the things for you that are holding him back from really jumping into that solidified lottery range? You know, I I just that's the question I keep coming back to. I'm like, why am I not bringing him into this conversation of the top ten? And it's like, I like a lot of guys in the top ten. Um, the Thompson twins, I love them. Keontae, love them. Jarris, you know, the prodigal son. Um, Jed Howard, love him. Like Nick Smith. Then you enter a conversation where you're like, well, could someone say like, hey, I don't know about Nick Smith. If he has these injuries, could Hendricks get up there? It's just a weird range in the draft when you get past like the 
seven range where it's like, yeah. hey, if, if you really are like Whitmore, I love Whitmore. There's still a lot of questions about Whitmore. So there could just be a team that's like, hey, we've, you know, like New Orleans. What if New Orleans was just like, hey, we love Taylor Hendricks. Like, I absolutely love him. I don't know. He's just, he's becoming this mystery man. And it's for all the right reasons. Um, and, and I don't know, like, like everyone would be like, oh, yeah, he just needs to go on a strong stretch. I That's something I would say. I don't really know if I need Taylor Hendricks to go, you know, average 25 a game or try to do that. I think just showcasing what he can do on a nightly basis. I mean, he has games, 12 rebounds, 12 rebounds, 10 rebounds, 11 rebounds. And then he has games with three, four blocks. He had a three game stretch of having three, three and four blocks. He just had a seven game stretch of averaging 16 points a game, 7.4 rebounds, 1.1 steals, 2.0 blocks, shooting splits of 51, 41, 75. So, I'm getting to the point right now where I'm like, what else do I need to ask this kid to do to just be a lottery pick? So I don't know. There's my long wraparound. Hit me with it, Metcalf. What do you think? Yeah, so I, I currently have him at 21. Um, but like you said, he's kind of in that range of 12 to 22 where it's like, would any of these, if any of these guys kind of went in that 10 spot range, it wouldn't really shock me. Um some of my hesitations with him are I think he's really limited on ball. I think his on ball, you know, shot his self-creation um, and on ball creation is really lacking. Um, and he has an assist rate of under 10, not ideal. Um, his isolation, he's in the 19th percentile in points per possession. Not great. Um, that kind of ability to create his own stuff and create for others I'm not sure how much he really elevates the offense in that term, but if we're just looking at him as, okay, he's just an off-ball scorer, just an offensive rebounder, and just a versatile defender, those are three really important things when it comes to, you know, lineup construction and winning basketball. So for me, it's kind of weighing how much does this lack of on-ball creation really matter because when we look at drafts, there are what five guys from each draft tops who really get those responsibilities. So does it really matter if he can't do that right now? And who's to say he doesn't grow into some of that, but it's kind of, for me right now, it's figuring out how important is that? Cause obviously you want, everyone needs to be able to create something off the dribble, whether it's just attacking a closeout or being able to carry it in transition instead of just finishing transition you got to do something being able to put the ball on the floor. And I haven't seen that a ton from Hendricks yet, but I'm still trying to figure out, is that actually important for him? It's it's that's the biggest area. I think when I watched to like, cause I did his midterms, I broke down like all of his stuff and I was watching him offensively. And I'm like, it's very, that's why I was trying to say it's very vanilla. You, you, there's not a lot of, him trying to go crazy to, you know, use his counters and attack and make the defense react. It's very, just take what the defense is giving you. Yeah. And the funniest thing was, uh, as you're talking earlier, I was like looking up and I was like, why do I have a weird vibe that Taylor Hendricks and Jabari might have similar like numbers when it comes to like three point shot. Cause like a lot of his films, three point shooting, mm -hmm. like a lot of it's, and, and it's not, it's good decisions. He's just saying it, but in, 
you compare the stats, they're kind of in the same wheelhouse together. And it's a little like, okay, well, so that could be a similar storyline that we're talking about. I mean, Jabari, I still think he's got so much damn upside. I think this is exactly the year I was expecting him to have the growing pains. Everyone was going to be like, I think Rockets fans were freaking out. I was like, Hey guys, can we calm down? Like, let's let the kid, he's going to be fine. But Jabari at Auburn was 16.9 points, 7.4 rebounds, two assists, 1.1 steal, 1.1 block or 1.0 blocks. 42.9 from the field. 42% 42% from three, 79% from the free throw line. And Taylor Hendricks right now is at almost 15-7 with two blocks a game or 1.8 blocks a game. Shooting splits 48-39-79. So, I mean, when you look also at like the, the two-point attempts and the three-point attempts, they're kind of in the same wheelhouse. And that's what everyone's fear was last year was Jabari was just heavy on the three-point attempts. But I'm not, you know really that worried with either of them. But when it comes to Taylor, he's taking exactly what the defense is giving him. It's not him pulling up from 15 feet beyond the arc, which Jabari, I still can't believe last year. But <laughs> anyways, um, I'm getting off track. But yeah, no, I really, really like him, Metcalf. It's one of those things where we're entering a territory now in this year where say a guy's creeping up towards the lottery. All it takes is him going to workouts mm-hmm. and impressing and they get in a dangerous conversation like Patrick Williams, Florida State, like got up there. We were all like, oh, he's a lock to go to Detroit. And then Chicago was like, bet. And they took him for it. So you, you never know. This is a weird time of the year. All it takes is good intel and hard worker. And you're producing at UCF and you keep playing and post, posting numbers against tough competition. Scouts are going to take notice. So I, I think a really interesting comparison um, with him come draft time or you know even just for the rest of the season is going to be a guy like max lewis who yes you know the the shooting numbers for lewis have tailed off some but i think a lot of that is due to him trying a lot of really advanced stuff off the ball and really diversifying and increasing the difficulty of his shot attempts it's hurting his numbers in the short term but i think long term it's going to be really good for his development and his game when we look at hendrix we don't see him doing any of that stuff i mean 30.5 percent of his possessions are spot up shots um and that's the first for him by 16 percent. the next closest is transition so hendrix isn't in any of that kind of stuff would you rather have him start experimenting with some of that stuff to show off um or kind of start to get find a little bit of comfort level in that or do you think he's just better off just hey just do what you do keep trying to win these games for UCF and figure it out in the off season. Gosh, that's such a fantastic question. I was literally, this is why I love you because I was literally like, when you were starting bringing that up, I was like, well, Metcalf, what would you prefer that you just throw it right at me? It's a really good question, especially if you're an evaluator to like to, to debate this, if you're making a big board and you're going off of these guys, I think Hendricks should keep doing exactly what he's doing. And it's, it's not a, uh, me doubting his upside is just that's why like we projected him to go to OKC because I think Hendricks being exactly what he is right now with the thunder with Shay with um Giddy I always freak out that I say Shay's name wrong so I'm sorry I just have like a mental block but you get Chet in there they have all these assets together you can allow Hendricks to just keep doing what he do like hey you get wide open shots take them 
that don't get out of your comfort zone right away. And I think he's going to be a really, really interesting piece in this class because he's one of those guys. Some teams might think it's, or some fans might think it's a reach, but teams might, this is the double. You're, you're not swinging for the fences when you get Hendricks. You're like, no, we need this. This is the next step. This helps us move forward. I don't know. What about you? What would you lean more towards the, you love to see Maxwell Lewis. Cause this, that's also a big part of developing mm-hmm. is, you know, you're willing to try this stuff. You're willing to be like, Hey, okay, let me, let me experiment. Let me work. I'm working on my game. Let me try this. So what would you prefer? I'm selfishly from an evaluation standpoint, I'd, I'd like to see him start trying to do yeah. some of that stuff. And is it like a, okay, you're just not sharp and comfortable with it yet. Or is it like, Oh fuck, like you can't dribble at all. Right. Which, right you right, know, right. I, I don't think is the case, but you know, from a coaching perspective, it's like, wh- why are we going to try and upset the apple cart here? Like it, if it's not broke, we're not fixing it. So and he's, it, he's thriving in his role. And the fact that he's doing that has gotten him into this first round, even lottery conversation for a lot of people. So to deviate from that at this point feels unnecessary and it's like almost just hey keep thriving at what you're doing best you've shown off that you have two elite skills in weak side rim protection and off ball shooting just keep keep doing that keep being the best in your role and then once you get into the nba in the offseason then you can start working with developmental coaches and bring those skills along steadily instead of trying to force it and you know unnecessarily accelerate your developmental curve and in system, you know, everyone has to remember this too. Like the situation and system for that team also plays a big role in this because, you know, it's not like we're talking about Jairus Walker at Houston who started out a little slow to start out the year and then they finally allowed him to be more of what he could do with playmaking yeah. and stuff. Like that's different when with Hendricks, he, he's thriving in this role. It's not like they're all of a sudden going to be like, okay, now this week we're going to start giving Taylor the ball to run the offense, like bring it up and dribble like no. You know, we're not going to put him in pick and rolls. It's just a different situation. So I think you just keep keep doing what you're doing, big fella. You're you're doing the right thing. You're getting the attention of plenty of people. The buzz is is piling up. So I would just keep keep rolling with that momentum. I love that we spent like 20 minutes on Taylor Hendricks. This is fantastic. Thunder fans, I knew you all would be here. So thunder up. All right. Uh, well, let's move on to Kobe Bufkin. But first, let's, let's do take it. A I know you effort. want to do it so bad. Let's get that. I'm more pumped to talk about Kobe Bufkin than you are. Talk to me, Metcalf. Let's let's go. Okay, and we're back. So, I I adore this kid. Kobe Bufkin is so stinking good, and it's really refreshing to see some people start to come around on him. Obviously I'm not the only one who's been hyping him up all year, um, but the leaps this guy has taken from his freshman year last year to this year have been astounding and something I did not expect at all. Um, He looks bigger. He looks stronger. The shooting has improved. He has some of the best defensive hands in the country. Um, I love his on ball defense. The, scoring versatility that he's shown uh this year compared to last year it's an extreme jump from and and it's an extreme jump in his development and um effectiveness i love everything i'm seeing from him and i feel very 
very okay having him in my top 25. I'm, uh, I made, I, I, I screwed up my big board submission for no ceilings. If everyone's listening, go to no ceilings, We just submitted our updated big board. The big board. I loved, I thought this, this round looked pretty good. Um, but you know, I'm also the jerk that juices people up. So for everyone listening, like we had some people that are like, why aren't you guys believing in uncertain? I was like, this isn't individual rankings. We composite the rankings. We average them out. It's a lot of math stuff, you know, shout out Goodwill hunting. They had to basically solve this equation on the board. Terrible jokes aside, I had Kobe at 33 on my personal big board and I just rewatched his film a little bit deeper. And I was like, what am I thinking? I was like, this is a first round pick. There's no questions about it. What am I doing? The numbers back it up. This is the whole episode. This is heating up. We, these guys are heating up. Kobe Buffkin. Someone was like, do you think he's going back next? No, he's <laughs> gone. Gone. He is playing his final games with the Michigan Wolverines. I, I, I just think he's got too much momentum unless he goes out and, you know, shoots 12% from three for the rest of the year. I just think I've seen too much on tape and um, I'm really excited to now talk to you about him because this is another guy. The more I'm watching right now, I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. Like this is your riser folks. So you haven't gotten into deep Kobe Buffkin tape. Enjoy your Friday. It's you know, a lovely place. Oh, it's a fun place. <laughs> it's like Alice in Wonderland status. Like go down that rabbit hole and enjoy it. Just finish this episode and get a large pizza, whatever your favorite meal is. And Friday night, you turn on some Kobe Buffkin film. You're going to have a good time. Yeah. So just to run through some of his synergy numbers, uh, just real quick. So pick and roll ball handler, 65th percentile. Uh, transition 85th percentile off screen 78th percentile handoff 74th percentile um the the scoring versatility that he's displayed this year has been really encouraging um the outside shooting numbers primarily off the dribble still aren't right where you want them to be they're still a little inconsistent but when you look at the shooting numbers from last year to this year the shot difficulty from last year to this year it's two it's two completely different players where now he's using using hang dribbles and crossovers and step backs uh his change of pace dribbling in the mid range uh to get to his spots is really really creative and advanced for um you know in this one year time frame um and he does just such a good job of getting defenders to turn their hips because of how good of a driver he is before slamming on the brakes and hitting them with the step back and knocking it down regularly the the scoring leaps he's taken i i know i sound like a broken record right now but it is astounding how quickly he's improved in this in this area i i need to i i may need to have some cold water thrown on me because i i no. every every year i fall in love with these kind of gadgety toolsy combo guards they don't always work out is this another case of that or is what he's showing really just a malleable skill set that will fit in the NBA. No, you don't need to cool down. If anything, we need to turn up the heat because this is the, the thing is, is yes, you can swing and strike out on those players, but those players, if you connect on those swings, just shift your whole team because like you say, they're gadget guys. We're like, if all of a sudden 
you know, Kobe Bufkin was averaging three points a game last year in 10 minutes. And now he's, he's just filling it up. He looks fantastic. He, he rebounds. He's got good size. Um, I've liked some of his playmaking flashes. I've liked the feel. And you were not fucking kidding. Excuse my French about his hands defensively. Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, he, th- this is the type of guy that you just get. And it's like, man. Every NBA team goes, man, I really wish we had a Kobe Bufkin on our team. Like, it, it's just one of those things where it, it's such a unique guy to get. And I think that's where teams have to be aggressive to go find these guys because it shifts everything. It takes a can it takes a lottery team out of the lottery. Um, it takes a playoff bubble team into the next level. It, it's just – I love him, Metcalf. I, I – have to give you your flowers. You were on that earlier in the year. You were hammering that to me. You're like, I think this could be the Dale and Terry. And I was like, Metcalf, it's literally like December. <laughs> Can we calm down? Never. And hey, man, you, you're, you're when you know, you know. Yeah, I love it. So I don't know. I, I Michigan's weird because I still think after this whole year they could have a little bit of a conference tourney run, and then then we're entering a weird story and scenario if we get Kobe Bufkin on the big dance so I don't know I'm trying to look at my board and I'm like where could he what's too high like where could he stop because he's a lot of people are putting him in the first round um I was a wimp I had him 33rd on my board I should have had him in the top 30 for sure I don't know so let's stick with the defense a little bit because yeah um as just like a point of attack defender in isolation, I think he does just some terrifying shit. I and mean, the, the hands are lightning quick and he desperately wants that ball. Um, I think he moves his feet really well. Mm-hmm. Something I've noticed is that when defending the pick and roll, he's starting to get a little jumpy with kind of jab steps and maybe anticipating the screen a little too early. Um, that could be just a fundamental thing that he gains improves with experience. I'm kind of thinking it's just uh he doesn't trust the rest of that team to defend because no one else on that team can defend right now. And he's just trying to compensate for that. So when we talk about his defense, what gets you the most excited about it? What makes it feel like, okay, this is an NBA level defender. And do you have any kind of worries or concerns or hesitations about it going forward? There's guys that can have quick hands that, you know, strike like a Cobra. And I feel like it's, it's quick jolts of like, you're just trying to get in there and then guys can do that. And I know this is going to sound crazy. Guys can do that and look like they just are going at a different speed where it's just like, they know exactly when to go. And it's, you know, it's almost as if they're getting the middle of the ball every time where it's just like, yeah, I know you have good vision and anticipation. Um, you know, guys like Marcus Smart, even Patrick Beverly, and, and Buffkin shows that to me on tape where it's just kind of like he knows he's baiting you and he just waits and he waits and sees that window open. Um, I'm right there with you. I think the footwork with pick and roll can get a little bit. I don't know if I would say it's like trying to cut corners, but I think he's just trying to almost prevent, like you say, if you're playing with some teammates that struggle defensively, you might be trying to kind of manage the space. And I wanted to ask you, um, I was watching him off the ball mm-hmm. and I actually was like pretty excited. Um, I feel, yeah. 
Um, and it was it was mainly him working through screens and stuff. I feel like he's got good angles and and navigation to like. There's a couple times he got caught up, but I was also like, that was a beautifully run play. Nothing you could have done there. Like it's just a great sequence by that um, team. And there's also some other times I was like, he is all over the place. Like he's he's stride for stride. He's reading every angle the right way. And there's just a lot of good stuff that I feel like you get to the next level. And you all of a sudden get a developmental staff that's and some veterans that are helping you get some little tricks and stuff. All of a sudden, that good defender in college becomes a great defender at the next level. So I don't know. I I love everything I saw from him on the defensive side of the ball. I think there's a lot of really good stuff to work with. And there's also some good like teaching skills that I'm sure an NBA team are gonna be like, oh no, yeah, we got we'll tune that up in a hurry. Like he's just it's a film room sesh with some vets. Like, hey, do this, do this, do this. So I don't know. Okay. Uh, let, let, let's play a quick little game of it's America's fa- favorite game show of this or that. We're going to uh, have to make this a, a segment. Shout out Blue Wire. But I literally am rambling so much tonight. Love you, Matt <laughs> I'm really excited about this one. Okay. So, you know, I, I so some of these early ones are going to be a little outrageous. Just trying to gauge the okay, range here. Okay, okay. So, Kobe Bufkin or Huchifino? Uh Huchifino. Yeah, agreed. I'm a JSH uh, fan club member. Kobe Bufkin or Jordan Hawkins? Oh, don't even Jordan. I love <laughs> yep, Jordan. Agreed. I think I might be. Yeah, I got Jordan at 17, folks. Oh, same. Good. Stop stealing my board. <laughs> God, it's like we, it's like we do a podcast together. <laughs> You really uh, have him at 17? Exactly at 17. Do you remember there was a time of the year I couldn't get you to buy Jordan Hawkins stock? No, or... I just hadn't watched him yet. <laughs> that actually that actually checks out. Um, Kobe or Colby Jones? Oh, you really are. Um, Colby. Buffkin or Hendricks? Oh, I, I, I got Hendricks. Hendricks uh, is Storm and Buffkin or Sasser? Now you're getting into a dangerous world. Well, I had Sasser at 31. I did not realize how good he's been playing. I mean, I have eight games. He's been shooting the shit out of the ball. It's like, oh, there you are, Marcus. I was like, Marcus. (laughs) It's literally the scene from The Shining. Like with the axe, it's Marcus (laughs) Sasser coming through the door. Here's Marcus. Um, I'm going to stay with Sasser. But it's really close. No, I love Sasser. I, I, I think Sasser's starting to get the mojo back of what we've been wanting. So I'm gonna perfect say time of the year for it. Um, yep. Yes, it buff, is. B- buffkin or sensible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to piss the people off. <laughs> oh boy, I'll go sensible. Oh, it. Hey. I'll tell you right now, Kobe Bufkin's coming for that stock, though. Uh, Bufkin or Jalen Wilson? Oh, this one's ugly. I my problem is I'm 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 still at Jalen Wilson as a first round guy. I love Jalen Wilson. Why does everyone not like him? Who did he hurt? Like whose feelings did he hurt? I, I like Jalen Wilson. I had, I had him at twenty five. Okay, uh, last one: Bufkin or Mike Miles? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? Um, that's a really good one. I'm still 
I have Mike Miles in my first round. So I'm going to save Mike Miles for now. But I'm telling you right now, all those names, you just – if Buffkin keeps going up and we have this conversation in a month, my answers might be different for a lot of those guys. What about you? Hit me with some, well, who out of those names you listed, who do you have Buffkin above? Uh, I have him over Sunsabah, Sasser, uh, Jalen oh, Wilson. Where do you have Sunsabah? 24. It, it, it's one spot. They're back to back. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. I, okay. I have Buffkin at 23. So you had uh, Sensible at 24? Yeah. I have him at 23. Who are you? Where do you have Mike Miles? Uh, We're off the rails now, folks. Thir- 35. So just outside the first, but in that kind of group of like 10 names where it's like, okay. I'm fine with taking him in the first. Okay. Um, I already have, I, 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 would, I would update my board right now and move Buffkin into. The first round over who? Um, over oh, yeah. See, see this is my problem. You accountable, you say no, you're so gonna do something. I, I would put him, I had Deron Holmes at 29, and I feel like Deron Holmes is just gonna keep being the guy that I just keep moving down for somebody else. But then I had Sasser at 31, so see, now I'm screwed up. I don't know. All right, fine. I'll do it. Buffkin over Sasser. <laughs> I don't care. You. I just, I hate this. Okay. Well, s- someone that I know you certainly do not hate is Trace Jackson Davis. TJD, baby. I was going to make so many memes today about like, we're finally talking about him, Metcalf, <laughs> but I just couldn't do it. So af- after a year plus of harassment from you, um, we're, we're finally talking about Trace. Wax poetic. It, it it really is funny, but for everyone that hasn't been in on this joke, um, last year, the first year we were, you know, getting no ceilings going. I basically every time TJD had a good game, I would just tag Metcalf in the highlights. So much and Metcalf would be like, Would you please stop? And it was more of a thing because I was like, I just like TJD as a second round guy, and Metcalf didn't really wasn't really buying it. And that conversation has completely shifted in myself now. I, I'm this is I'm struggling right now because I watched his film again before um, we did this podcast episode, and I'm Metcalf. What? Why is he not a first round pick? I know the shot, but I think he's doing too much. He's doing everything. He's yeah. scoring. He's rebounding. He's playing defense. He's shot block. He's blocking shots. He's passing. Playmaking's been awesome this year. So, is it enough? that we're overthinking the lack of a jump shot. Yes. Um, but I think it makes the team fit. It narrows it the team to, fit. Yes. It, it's, it's like going to a, a gosh, I, I can't believe I'm going to try to make an analogy after, you know, oh, the, 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 the lack will, of sleep. I have surely be golden. This will be good. It's like, going, <laughs> it's like, Hey, you have this certain amount of money and you have to go get a brand new car. It's like, you, you, you can't afford everything like you go to a car a car dealership with like 10 grand chances are you're not going to really have a lot of luck to pay full cash for a car that analogy was terrible just terrible i tried <laughs> throwing it out this is brought Stand to you it. by <laughs> we were with blue wire these um i don't know Mick. It, it, it's just it is very fit dependent the draft is always fit dependent mm-hmm. but tjd it will not shock me if he goes 22 if some team is like 
we really need this guy to impact the game everywhere we want him to. We don't need him to shoot 18 footers. Um, I've just been shocked about, you know, obviously you're a senior, you're supposed to dominate, but he is, he's crazy dominant. And, and the footwork's been really impressing me this year. He looks like he's got that spin dribble, even working a little bit more this year. He, he, he was kind of manhandling your boy, Hunter. Well, he's one of many who have done that this year. Like, <laughs> I didn't go down a dark path. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know what else he needs to do. I, I think this guy's proving right now that he has a spot in the league and he's going to play for a good time. Yeah. So I, I've just never out when. No, I, yeah, I, but I know, yeah. I and mean, he, for, you know, the last two years, he was like, eh, 55 to 75 range of, right. you know, draft picks. Because when you're, what is he, like 6'9? Six, 6'9, nine? Um, about like 240, I want to say off the top of my head. When you're, when you're that size and you can't shoot at all, you have to be able to do so many other things. Right. And at that point, he hadn't proven that he could consistently do that besides just being a freak leaper. Um, and he has, really improved his game year over year without really changing how he plays, which I think is really interesting because he's still not shooting. Uh, just like he knows everyone wants him to shoot um, because in every preseason, he's like, Oh yeah, I've been working on my shot. Really trace. Cause we haven't seen one single fucking jumper from you all goddamn year. Um, it's fine. It's fine. We're good. Um, but yeah, what he easy. has done is, He's improved his footwork. His spins in the post are incredible. Um, his footwork in transition and navigating traffic in the lane is incredible. Uh, his touch on the floater is really good. His leaping ability is outlandish. Um, and then his passing has taken significant leaps. We saw flashes of it, but now it's a, you know it's on a nightly basis where we're seeing him make these awesome skip passes out of drives or uh, to beat the double team or hit aheads in transition there. He's seen the floor at a whole nother level. And once, and now when you pair all of that together, it's like, okay, some, a lot of this is compensating for the lack of a jumper and it never completely makes up for it. And that'll really be a big hole in his game. If he never shows any willingness to, you know, take a face up jumper from any distance, but it makes his ability to contribute to an offense a lot easier and a lot more um, realistic. Then defensively, the shot blocking is insane. I mean, he gets off the ground so freaking quick. He moves his feet to stay with guys on drives. His rotations are really good. I have some current concerns about him kind of defending the pick and roll and defending in space. There's some inc inconsistencies there, but just the pure sh rim protection is – they're numbers that are for someone who should be three to four inches taller than he is. I think the biggest thing you, you pointed out there and what really jumps out to me on tape is he glides through the lane at his mm. size. Like he really, he can get moving in a hurry. He can slice down the center of the court. It just, I, they throw him alley oops all the time. And this dude throws, he gets some of the worst passes sometimes. <laughs> and he just like reaches back. Doesn't even awesome have hands. to, Oh, it's just, Pillows for hands. Um, I, I just, I keep watching him and he just keeps checking boxes and the, the playmaking 
stride he's taken this year in a weird way is like almost just as awesome as if he was shooting, you know, 30% from three. Like it's just, it's another weapon now and it's really good. It's really impressive. You know, he'll throw bullets to corners. He finds guys all over the place. And I don't know. I, I just, this is a wild card. And I, I loved him last year. I still had him as like a guy that was probably going to go in the forties. Now I'm like, Hey, th- you know, I think I had, I had him at 32 on my last big board and I was just staring at him. I was like, what else does this guy need to do to get into my first round? And I know I'm probably gonna be a lot higher, but like, this is, if I had a second round pick, I would be throwing it at TJD for oh, yeah. sure. If I needed front court depth, because he just does too much stuff. And it, you're, you're spot on. The shot blocking has been absurd. Um, I mean, he's he's had games with like seven blocks this year, like multiple. I mean, it's just been crazy. So he's becoming territory of like you go check out TJD's box score every night to see how much you're laughing, you know. So I don't know. I love him, and I I think that's another guy that's just gonna keep keep creeping up. Yeah, well, someone else who kind of keeps creeping up um, is Azulis Pabellas from yes. Arizona. Um, I know he has some big fans at no ceilings. Um, I'm a little more hesitant. You're, you're the Arizona guy, so pitch me on Tubelas. Yeah, I mean, when you said you wanted to talk about Tubelas, I was like, yeah, this is pretty much the the best person you could talk to. No offense to the no ceilings crew, but, you know, I'm a U of A former alumni, so I, I've always watched the Cats, and Tabellus is going to be really interesting. And, and I thought he was going to be a name that could get hot this year um, coming into this cycle when he decided to return. I was like, okay, he had the tough tournament run last year. He really struggled in that. Um, I think the game against TCU, he just, I was like, Oh gosh, he's having one of the nightmare games where just, you can't do anything. Right. So I was like, I think Tabellus is going to have a big junior year and he's been great. He's been outstanding. Um, he averaged 13 points last year. He's up to 20.2 points this year, 9.3 rebounds. His numbers have exploded. They were they were going to. It was going to be the Tabella show for U of A this year. He's such a dominant force. Like, he's just a bucket because he just plays with good touch. He's got some veteran swagger. He knows how to score with both hands around the basket. Um, very crafty. He, the shot is fine. I think it needs like a really strong off season of just with a shooting coach, just hammering it Um, because he's also smart enough where he's like, I'm not going to force this. This isn't my game. But like, if you're playing him eight feet off, he's like, I'll shoot it. Like, it's just one of those things. And I don't know. He's so interesting to me because there's a lot of. I actually loved where we mocked him in our mock draft. So everyone will see that when they're listening to this. But there's a lot of fun skills. Um, but I don't I don't think it's I think it's a really fun depth piece. Like if you could get Tabellas to be your rotation big or forward off the bench, I'd really, really like that. Um, but I don't know if I'm seeing like people putting him in the first round, if there is anyone doing that, I don't know. He's, he's really weird. 
I always get nervous with these guys because I'm like, are you a dominant college player that's going to struggle at the next level? And it wouldn't shock me if Tubelis just goes and is a damn good pro. Mm-hmm. Um, it would not shock me if he goes and struggles. Yeah. But he's very skilled, very skilled yeah. with both hands. And I don't want to sound like I love him. Like, as a U of A fan, absolutely love Tabellis. Like, I will literally, like, be like, no, Tabellis is one of the best college bigs right now in the country. But there's a difference between playing elite at college and playing with the big boys at the next level. So, I don't know. Yeah, so I I, I just want to run through his numbers mm-hmm. quick because they, they, they are really impressive. Um, so, I when I, I just looked up and, you know, he's 39% from three this year, which – made my jaw drop because I'm like, I swear to God, I haven't seen him make more than four threes all season, but you know, he's, 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 he's only 20, he's only taken 23 of them. So, yeah. you know, w- another bad night and that's dropping below 30. So I'm not, you know, previous two years, 31% on 42 attempts, 26% on 38 attempts, a career 70, 71% free throw shooter. I think the shot's okay, but there's some real touch work um, or touch issues that I have with it. Um, but his percentile rankings on offense are really impressive. I mean, 85th I percentile like... in post-ups, 89th percentile in transition, 67th percentile on cuts, 74th percentile on offensive rebounds, 96th percentile in spotting up. The big glaring one to me is 19th percentile as the role man. I'm just not sure how his game, something you said was, is he an NBA pro or is he just an awesome college player? I, I'm kind of leaning towards the latter. Unfortunately, I love, I, I think running in transition, he might be one of the best bigs in the country at doing that. Um, his ability to kind of grab and go to beat everyone else down the floor, um, I think is really impressive. I think he's had some issues consistently finishing through contact uh, this year. Um uh, the game where he had 40, I'm blanking on who they played, but I, he was scoring everything. Um, oh, was that Washington? I think it was Washington. Yeah, I think uh, so. And that awful zone. Um, yeah. But then, you know, there's two games before that. He couldn't make anything. That may have been the UCLA game. Um, so I the, the lack of a shot, I'm not sure. I have some questions with the defense. Um, the motor, the post-up skills, the interior scoring, I think is all really, really high level stuff. It's just, how does that translate to the NBA? Uh, Oregon, he had 40 against Oregon. He had 25. Like if you go look at Tabellus's box scores, you're going to be like, what the heck are we talking about? Cause it, 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 he's just been on the war path this year, but I'm right there with you. And I don't like all of the synergy numbers look unbelievable. Like everything is trying to tell us like this is going to work, but there, there really is an important factor of like when you're evaluating, you have to watch a guy and be like, is this a very good college player? Or is mm-hmm. this a guy that's going to work at the next level to could work at the next level. I'm not saying he couldn't, it's just gotta be the right place. And of yeah. course, everyone listening is like, of course, Rucker. That's like, no, he needs to go somewhere. That's like play your game off the bench, like in a rotation, be surrounded by offensive guys that make Tabellus's life easier. And then he could be a dangerous guy around the basket with his touch. But um, like he had a seven game stretch of averaging 22 and 11 while shooting 59% from the field. Like he, he 
they'll put up some numbers this year, but you know, he's also having games with 20 field goal attempts, um, which is not going to happen at the next level. Like, right. and he does a lot of damage around the basket and they play a lot of high low with him and Ballo. So, I mean, it's, you're not really seeing a, a lot of NBA guys just having a strong desire to play high low for 48 minutes. I'm just saying um, he, he would be a really nice, he'd be a really, really nice bench asset. That's why I'm like, I have him in the second round. I love Tabellis. If he went to the right team, that he can just be that rotation piece, be that seventh or eighth guy. Now you're finding something. Like, for everyone listening, we had him going to the Sacramento Kings. And we were all talking in the war room. And we were like, that's a fun backup for Sabonis is Tabellis. Like, Spider-Man meme, but not really. So, I don't know. That's that's all I'm thinking. It's just it would be a fun skill set if you have a right plan for him when it comes to your offense. Yeah, and so when I say I'm hesitant to buy in, it's not that I don't think he's skilled or that there isn't a spot for him in the NBA. I just think those spots are so few and far between. Where you know when you kind of think of guys of his mold, you know it's like a Sandro Sandro Mamakulashvili in yes. Milwaukee. Like he he gets spot minutes here and there. Um, Orlando Robinson type role in Miami. Um, you know, maybe if things really go well, I think the defense and rim protection have to take a leap for this, for this type of role, but maybe down the line, like an Isaiah Hartenstein type role when he was with the Clippers as that backup big who could do a little bit of playmaking from the elbow and top of the arc type stuff. So many things have to go right. Roster construction has to fall a really certain way for it. And he has to be able to find himself in that very specific spot. So whether he ends up having an awesome career in Europe um, or is able to carve out a bench role in the NBA. I think he has the skill and the talent to do it. I'm just not sure that there are the requisite job openings for that specific skill set available to him. I think he'll be an NBA guy Um, or he'll at least get an extended look from multiple teams. I think Tabellus is, he's got too much skills that teams are going to be convinced they can work with them. He might be a guy that goes in the second round, spends a month in the G league, kicks everyone's ass and then is on the roster. The one thing that could be working in his favor is this big man class. There's a lot of questions in that range. And a lot of people could look at Tabellas and be like, Hey, we know what he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's got, he really is skilled. Um, Yeah. The guy can run the floor. He's got, Playmaking vision. I know his assist numbers aren't crazy high, but he's got playmaking vision. He's got touch. Um, plays hard. I don't know. It, it, there's here. We'll do this or that. Everyone's favorite game. This or that. All right, Metcalf. Welcome to the stage. All right. Uh, I'm gonna hit you with Kyle Filipowski or Tubelis. Uh Filipowski. Okay, that was a tester. Khalil Ware or Tubelis? Ware. Boo. All right. I thought I might have had you there. Coleman Hawkins or Tubelis? Uh Tubelis. Good. Very good. That's all I had. I just wanted to get your Coleman Hawkins intake. <laughs> um, but I mean, I mean, we're just gonna get to an interesting point in this draft where we just named some guys that I'm not sold teams are gonna be all like foaming at the mouth to draft them. And I'm sorry, Oregon Ducks fans and Duke Blue Devil faithful, but I think Tabellis could also have the, you know, 
the safer idea if, if you get to a second round and you're looking for some depth. So I don't know. That's all my thoughts. All right. Well, Rucker, that's all I got. Anything else eaten at you? Anything come to mind? No. I mean, there's no. some guys that we could have mentioned. Who who else do you think's rising that you need to watch a little bit more of? Oh God. Um I, I, I need to catch up on the G League guys, Leonard Miller, CD Sissoko. Go check out uh, the film session that Corey just did with uh, CD. It was awesome stuff. Um, re- really cool that he took the time to do that. Um, I, I think there's a lot more to his game than I'm giving him credit for. Um, I'm going to keep banging this KJ Adams drum um, until he tells me that he's going back to Kansas next year. Yeah, what about you? You? Were, you were very passionate about that. And I, I feel like that was the easy one where I was like, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to fight you on that one. I love the KJ Adams in the second round. Um, Koulibaly. Mm, need to, yeah. We got a lot of people trying to attack us for him not being on our big board tomorrow. And I was like, Hey guys, uh, just, just one more day and open <laughs> the next link. Just wait, just wait. You'll be pleased tomorrow. Um, I don't know. Um, your boy Tyrese Proctor is making a little bit of a run. I'm trying to think of other climbers. Pods at uh, mm-hmm. Santa Clara is definitely making some fans. I, I think Jordan Miller from Miami. Um, yeah, people are is drinking that Kool Aid right of now. Really interesting. Uh, he looks like an NBA player, um, but just kind of one of those solid three and D toolsy type. Wings won't necessarily overwhelm you in one specific category, um, but it's just a solid, solid ball player. So it wouldn't surprise me if he finds his way onto a summer league contract or even gets like an exhibit ton or something. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I, I agree that we've, we've had some cool stuff with the, if you haven't guys been paying attention, we've had some cool stuff with some of these prospects players that have come on to no ceilings you know, a lot of stuff with Corey and Albert. Um, Leonard Miller was just with Maxwell, did an interview, checked it out on the website. I've, I've, I just started diving back into Leonard Miller's film. I'm, I'm starting to buy. Um, I was selling stock last year. I'm starting to buy back. I just, there's a gadget guy. I think there's some stuff there. I, I and I've, I've been impressed. So, um, I'm trying to think of who else. Buy your James Najee stock while you still can. Don't look at the numbers. That's all I got, Metcalf. Well, Rucker, this was a delight. Please plug away. Um, follow me at Tyler underscore Rucker on Twitter. When you're listening to this, we just posted a mock draft. It's a really good one. Um, I liked it a lot. Go check it out. NoCeilingsNBA.com, absolutely free. We love all of you. Thank you for, for following us and on the Substack. It's been growing fast. We love it. Um, also, I've been just working like crazy, and I'm proud to announce that the YouTube breakdowns of the big board and mock drafts are making a historic comeback. They will be up this weekend. Um, I'm very, very proud of how they turned out. So hope everyone enjoys those. Um, go check them out. If you want to see highlights of all of these guys, we, I'm doing a top 60 and highlights of every single person and my thoughts. So you get to hear my voice more and terrible jokes. Metcalf, as always, you're the best. Thanks for doing this. Kobe Buffkin rocks. <laughs>
<laughs> no ceilings nba.com go check it out 100 free just click that subscribe button while you're there no ceilings nba across all socials and no ceilings tv on youtube if you enjoyed this episode please make sure to subscribe leave a review and five star rating Till next time see ya